Hey there, badass. Welcome to the Leading Rebels podcast, your bi-weekly dose of inspiring advice dished up by kick-ass female leaders. I'm your host, Kat Vandell, and this is episode 7, an interview with Julia von Winterfeld, founder of New Work Consultancy Soulworks. I took a deep dive with Julia on what purpose-driven leadership looks like, the importance of learning how to communicate critique the right way, and the best leadership traits she learned from the US, UK, and Germany. What does leadership mean to you? How are you as a leader embracing new ways of doing work? After a prestigious career, including being GM at Aqua, a managing director at Accenture, and an international career with Sapien Publicis, Julia von Winterfeld felt like a new kind of leadership was necessary, one that valued humans above numbers. That's why she started SoulWorks in 2015, to help organizations reassess their purpose, consider new transformative plays, and ignite long-lasting positive change, driving growth and innovation. Julia has been named a top five businesswoman in Germany in the field of communications in 2015 and 2016, one of 29 female global trailblazers for refining between Nan and the female coaching, and is an avid speaker and moderator of Future Fork and New Leadership. As I'm sure you know by now, no need to write down notes. Just enjoy the conversation and head on over to leadingrebels.com slash seven after the episode for all key takeaways and action points. Now let's get started. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the podcast and thanks so much for taking the time to meet. Yes, Hi. Looking forward to it. I was wondering if you could maybe just introduce yourself a little bit, share a little bit about your professional journey so far. For sure. So believe it or not, I've been uh, in the working life uh, now for 21 years. And it's quite funny because I never really um, knew that I would, one, end up where I've ended up. But I also never knew I would go into the space that I went to uh, when I started working. And that was... um, in uh, obviously uh, in 96 where I came into this space called at the time new media and I had no idea really what new media was Uh, I was really fascinated about tv and I had wanted to develop children's concepts children tv concepts and when I interviewed at at the time a big media house that still exists called Bertelsmann they said to me you know, your, your concepts are quite good, but the way that you're thinking about them, it's a dialogue that you want. And TV is just analog. So I said, oh, okay, well, obviously I didn't make the cut. And they said, well, there is a, uh, there's an agency that we've just bought and it's all about new media. And we're not quite sure what that is, but maybe if you, um, you know, to have, we can send you there and you can have an interview with them there. And then, uh, you know, then, then maybe that's something for you. Yeah, little did I know that I then entered the world of internet because in 96, I got the job. Um, it was a small, yeah, very sort of forward thinking agency. And I always very proud to say that I put the first pixel onto the very first Adidas website, uh, which no one can really imagine anymore, but I did do that. And it was a, uh, it wasn't just one pixel. It was actually a gift that uh, then sort of swiveled. And we were really proud about that. So there was, um, you know, I got to learn a lot about, uh, let's say, technology at the time. Uh, and I just delved into this arena of what today we would call digital. You know, there were certain names that then continued, like there was multimedia, then it was interactive. And then I think at some point that we called it digital. So I stayed in the digital space for more or less uh, 20 years, a little less than 20 years, and had really wonderful opportunities being that I was always in the agency world um, or in the consulting world uh, so that I could understand different fields of 
uh, or different industries, different companies uh, working on usually very progressive uh, projects. And I also had uh, the opportunity with uh, my then at the time second employer uh, to then travel and live in New York uh, for five years. I then was in London for three years uh, with that same employer. Uh, I was uh, with uh, working for um, from agency side with Unilever globally. So I was traveling to Sao Paulo. I was traveling to Singapore. It was all you know, great uh, in a way. And I am. I'm really thankful for everything that I learned. Uh, on that journey, particularly all the people that I met uh, on that journey. And then when I was in London, uh, and uh, Accenture uh, picked me up and brought me back to Germany, back to Berlin. And there I very quickly recognized that I didn't want to be in such a big, uh, even though it was a renowned, is a renowned company in such a big company, despite my having a leadership role there. And I... Um, was thankfully then approached by another very progressive agency and became uh, their, as you would say in German, Geschäftsführer, so their um, MD or managing director, and uh, led that company for two and a half years, or that agency for two and a half years. And during that time, I really started to think about what does leadership mean? What does leadership mean to me? Often I was approached in my previous roles that I'm far too nice. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm far too for the people and I should be thinking um, much more, uh, yeah, like I'm at the top, so I should be making decisions, which I obviously I did, but I was always very pro, which was true, very pro, you know, being team and, and uh, team driven. So I started thinking about what does leadership really mean? And um, you have to imagine again that I'm very much in the digital, was very much in the digital space. So I was seeing how companies were being, becoming more and more obsessed of grasping what digital could do for them from a business model perspective or from the uh, perspective of processes and efficiencies. And uh, it sort of started to catch my attention if these companies are all about new business models and embracing digital, how are they going to shift their people uh, in their companies to equally embrace these new ways of doing work or new products that they were putting out there? So I put the two together, both, you know, what's leadership about and uh, uh, where, where are organizations going with this um, digital um, on digital means and having thought through myself to myself what leadership means and always every quarter going back to London and delivering on my numbers um, I recognize this isn't this isn't what I want anymore I don't want to be in a in a leadership role where I'm just putting out numbers and being and running the company uh, by numbers and having seen that companies were shifting, I felt like there's going to be a new kind of leadership as well necessary. Um, obviously, we're going to still have to you know, be business driven uh, to a certain extent, but when we don't have to be always economically growing, um, at least from my standpoint. So I then quit the job uh, as a one could say, at least here in Germany, in a pretty well-known role. And I was pretty well-known and approached by press and everything. And and I said, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to quit and I'm going to start my own thing. Uh, so that's what I have been doing for the last two years. So I set up SoulWorks, uh, which I like to always say I kind of removed myself from the digital space 
and I'm now very analog. Uh, so I deal with people, which is great. And I'm not about products uh, anymore, even though I love myself, you know, apps and uh, I, I very pro technology, but I think it needs to put an angle on, well, what is it doing with us as human beings and how are we facilitating uh, ourselves uh, with this uh, technology? So yes, yeah, so now since two years, uh, I've been working in the analog space with SolWorks, where SolWorks really is there to help companies reinvent themselves and look with them at the cultural side of what has to change so that they can be still relevant in future. So that was my path of the last 21 years. But that was a very good point. I'm super excited that you put gifts on the map. I feel that you were ahead of your time there with, uh, with Adidas for sure. And But more importantly, I'm really glad that we're changing from this view that leaders um, should not be for the people. Um, yeah. And that's rotation wise. I think that's something that's great that yeah. we're embracing that. Yeah. Connecting that a little bit with going back in, uh, what was your first experience of, or experience that you remember of leadership maybe in a positive sense, maybe in a not so positive sense, mm. that maybe sparked you like, oh, interesting moment. Yeah, I am, um, you know, I, I really have had the luck of um, having a, a good number of mentors, but particularly one mentor that uh, sparked for me, you know, what is leadership? And basically the word mentor is already answering it, meaning uh, someone who is really interested in my own growth, uh, someone who listened to me and gave me uh, sufficient op options, you know, as to which path I should take or how to tackle a certain challenge um, or to uh, how to uh, embrace a certain individual and, and make sure that our communication was, uh, was right. And that for me was really a first spark of what leadership is all about. Being that mentor, being that person who can look at something objectively and give you the support to help you or, or even maybe to allow you to make the right decisions or take the right choices. So that, that, and I obviously, I, I see this individual in front of me as I talk about it. That's, that's what I think inspired me to, um, yeah, to take on some of, some of that in my own leadership. And maybe saying around that time, and what, what was your first time or in a position that you became or you were given a leadership role over people? How was that first experience? Yeah, I would say my first real leadership role was uh, to, you know, I was four years into my job. So I was um, 29, 28, 29. And uh, I was asked to set up uh, the uh, sort of the office of the company that I was with in Berlin in Munich. Uh, and I set up um, the shop, let's say, uh, from zero to 35 people. And yeah, that really, you know, I certainly had to learn a lot very quickly uh, how to get the right people, how to uh, make sure that the people are interacting the right way, that everyone is uh, focused on what, what needs to get done, but was also happy with what needs to get done. And um, again, if I look back, what people told me maybe i wasn't so conscious of it but um what i what i think i did without knowing how i did it i was able to put a a um a spirit into the company where everyone just felt like this is where i want to be this is what i want to do um and we were we were a great team you know, we were you know we had super fun we were doing brilliant stuff and uh, i don't know how i did it or what i really did to to put that in there but 
uh, I certainly do recognize that that is what really drives uh, an entity or a, or a group of people if if the spirit is right. So going all back to that for some leader, you would there be a piece of advice if you now looking back that you would have given yourself? Maybe the results of what you were doing were great, but maybe were you internally really stressed or like worrying about things back then that now you would say like, well, maybe you shouldn't have, or is there some piece of advice you would have given yourself? Yeah, I, you know, I would, um, I think I, I don't, well, many things now that I'm thinking about it. One is um, to acknowledge that everything is possible and uh, that you can actually you haven't you have your own inner resources to uh, overcome any kind of challenge that you have so to, to i you know just give me that knowledge like hey you have everything you need to get uh, whatever you want to do done um that's one i think also mm, to not be so shy in a way. I mean, it sounds a little bit ridiculous if I say I was had 35 people, but I was still very shy. I wasn't really comfortable with what I was doing and whether it was uh, right. Um, so, of course, I had my doubts in my head uh, that I didn't really show. Uh, so I would definitely say to myself, you know, there's no need to be shy. There's no need to be doubtful. Again, things will, you know, it will all it will all fall into place. Uh, there's no need to, to worry uh, or to doubt yourself. Yeah, and and maybe uh, sort of take take more risks. Um, be more um, be more be be more. Uh, what's the word? Go you know go forward and and just uh, do it. Uh, there's nothing that can. Uh, again, go wrong, right? Everything will still fall into place. It'll be fine, and maybe something will will go wrong. But even that, will will be able to, uh, to overcome. So, um, yeah, uh, I think I would. Uh, I wasn't yet as uh, risk uh, driven as I may be today. Yeah, that's so. something good. I think we we try to play it safe because we're worried we'll do something wrong. Yeah, and that just stifles more than the nurture. Yeah, in the end. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good point. And would you say, looking back, is there a moment in your leadership career what was a big learning moment where maybe something went really well unexpectedly or didn't go so well as you expected? Mm. Something that mm. really was a... Yeah. No. There, <laughs> many, probably. <laughs> many, and there's one that's, uh, that was quite um, definitely quite a turning point for me. I, I would sort of classify myself as someone who, even at school, never really had that much problems with uh, learning something or I was always quite good at school I was never number one but I was always you know in the good uh, sort of section and um, unfortunately unfortunately I was also with a company when I was this is now when I was in New York uh, with an agency uh, where I came from Munich went to New York and they had performance management um, meaning that you know every year you would get reviewed and uh, I usually you know came in more or less in good in the middle, uh, never brilliant and never absolutely at the top. But anyway, I was always, you know, good. And um, in this specific case, I uh, was leading a, a Unilever already and uh, had to take the risk uh, that I uh, would sort of put a number of people into my account. Let me see if I can explain this better. So I'm running the Unilever account. There are projects uh, that need to get done uh, for this account. And I need to take the risk as to knowing when the client would actually kickstart this project. 
And in the agency world, uh, people or team members, uh, you know, is what you need, uh, the resources you need to put together. And so I took the risk of saying, okay, I'm going to block out um, 20 people uh, in order to then be ready when the projects come. This means that these 20 people can't actually do any work for anyone else, meaning for, for an agency that runs on uh, people who are billable, this is, you know, that it's like non-productive work happening. Um, but I took that risk. So three weeks, these people were sort of in, in, in not doing anything mode. And it was cost that was, you know, running up and continuing. And at some point, um, my boss then asked, you know, hey, why are you blocking all these people and they're not doing anything? That's, you know, now it's not only 10,000, it's not only 20,000, it's not even 30,000. It's like it's 40,000 costs that you're now draining um, and you're not doing anything with it. And because it wasn't really my money, uh, you know, I wasn't really that conscious of it, uh, but obviously it wasn't uh, doing the company either any good. And so we come, you know, come to this performance management review, which was more or less uh, time-wise uh, close to, you know, this happening. And uh, for the first time, I basically uh, got a, you know, like you, you, you aren't great. Uh, you're, you've, you failed. Uh, I'm right at the bottom of the you know, class, if we put it in that way. And I had uh, always been seen as a, as a good leader, right? And now I was being seen as a bad leader. And that really got to me. And I um, don't actually think it was so much the fact that I was being categorized as a bad leader. Uh, it was more about the fact how I was being told that I'm a bad leader. And that really uh, stuck with me because, yeah, I, I felt like, uh, you know, I wasn't being uh, talked to in the best way. And it stuck with me because I said, I'm never, I never want anyone else to experience it the way that I've experienced it. And yes, of course, I can learn from my failures. And I obviously uh, did take something out of this situation, but I also took out of the situation how you go about talking to someone when they actually haven't done well. Uh, and, and that was uh, a really, you know, necessary, I think, experience for me because it's helped me um, talk to others if the, if something that they you know took the risk of they put themselves there on the line uh, in the hope that things would go the way that they had planned uh, and if it doesn't um, yeah you know it's not good you sunk a lot of costs uh, but um, but it's still a human being on the other side who um, yeah who, who should be treated as such. Yeah, that's definitely a super valid point. And it actually reminded me of this conversation that I just watched yesterday with uh, Simon Sinek, where he was saying that people, uh, this one leader in a company says he doesn't treat employees like employees, he treats them like family. Mm. And he's like, how would you treat your family members? And this is an interesting comparison. Like, if your kids are doing sure. something or being unproductive, you don't sit them down and say, like, in this family, you're in the bottom percent, you're not doing well, and we don't, you're, you're not a good family member. That's not how you would talk to them. And you'd be like, yeah. hey, okay, this is not working, but you mm. know, clearly we are together on this. And mm. you, obviously you as a person want to contribute, I'm yeah. sure. And, you know, it's a whole completely different conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, uh, yeah, the whole, you know, if you, if you do believe in the individual and, and, and believe that that individual is a, is you know, someone who, who you value, uh, 
then uh, you would have a different, a completely different type of conversation. And it also got me not at that point in time, but then later on, uh, it also got me to think about what is performance management in companies and, uh, you know, and how are we, as you say, treating and even the words that we're using, uh, how, you know, how's that impacting us working together? Yeah, it's, it's funny how we copy things from school almost to the work environment that already don't work in schools. Like it's yeah. on like failing people, like great reports, all these things usually don't work to motivate people to, you know, students to do better, but yeah. we kind of just copy the same model to work and do performance reviews then, which are inherently the same thing. Yeah. Which is also teaching your place like children, which is also a bit difficult, but yeah, <laughs> there's so many parts in that. Absolutely. Um, what else? Looking a little bit in the positive, what was a moment in your leadership journey that felt like a really good success for you that you felt like, wow, I really made an impact here? Um, I'm there, you know, I think it's the smaller things. There isn't anything big, but I, but obviously, as you asked the question, I do have, I did have an immediate image. And that is when we won uh, one big client. Uh, we were, you know, I was, I was leading uh, the team, I was leading the agency. Uh, of course, I was you know, like hungry to have this client because it was a great client. Um, and I think based on, yeah, based on how I kept the team motivated, how I kept the team focused, uh, on the outcome and in, yeah, intrigued by what we were doing, all the more we were just like rejoicing when we actually did win the client. And, I think, you know, that, I think that's, that's what makes it for me is when you're having fun with other people, um, to do great stuff that then is rewarding for whomever you're doing it for, in this case, for the client. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's all we need to be, be doing. Um, uh, what else, what else is there? Who no one cared in this construct as to, you know, who's, who's what title, um, uh, I think it was just a great blend of superb people who, um, yeah, did exceptional work. Uh, and, and I think for me, you know, the, the, yeah, if, if I reflect on my leadership, it's more about creating exactly that kind of environment and saying we're all in this together and we're all, you know, we're going to make this the best thing we've ever, we've ever done. I think that's what drives us. I think that's, uh, you know, each one of us, but then collectively we can, uh, we make something great. That's, yeah, that's definitely a good example. I think it's also a point of celebrating success just as much as yeah. you. Um, so I think we I mean it's proven psychologically that we'd like to over remember and emphasize the negative and yeah. we gloss over yeah. success very easily and just like, oh, that's great. Move on. Yeah. And then no, you're it right. Stand out as much. Absolutely. No, absolutely right. Yeah. We, we don't uh, necessarily in particular, unfortunately here in Germany, really celebrate uh, success at all. Um. Yep. We gloss over and go, oh God, I did this wrong. And <laughs> yeah, we first, uh, I think there was a team that I saw which did a really funny thing. They celebrate the biggest failure of the month in the sense that they try to make it funny, as in, um, you know, like yeah. don't like to fret about it. And I, I also do it more with myself, and then it's funny because then other people sometimes don't see it. I can. I think I did this mailing once, and I had to do it in German, which I already don't like. And then I forgot that our standard salutation, you know, the tags are like hi, whatever, and then their first name. And then because we did it in German, though, they did it like dear Mister, but then it said like dear Mister John yeah. instead of dear Mister whatever yeah. the last name was. And I went out to so many people. I was like, oh, that one's not good. Photo well. <laughs> 
I'm sure. They'll understand why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's our mind that actually makes it even worse. Yeah. Uh, and then we think, oh, God, you know, who knows what the other side is going to now think. And in the end, if uh, if and when you do ask, it actually is only half half as yeah. half as troublesome as we think in our mind. Absolutely. So sorry, some interruptions. <laughs> um, you have a lot of experience working in different countries. So from from here to the UK to New York, did you see any differences, any similarities, anything that stood out between mm. the, the countries? For sure, definitely. Um, in in uh, in. Um, in, the talk, in um, regards to leadership, right? So yes, no, absolutely. Um, and I think that I took on a lot of the traits that I um, enjoyed uh, and received in the US. So in the US, there is this um, this notion of be more entrepreneurial, be more risk taking, be more feminine as well in uh, in uh, with what you are in uh, in the role that you're playing. Um, I think that there in the U.S. is is far more, it may always sound very uh, superficial, how are you doing? But I actually really did uh, experience in a working modus uh, and from leaders, how are you doing is very genuine and very willing to understand who is sitting opposite me and uh, how is this person doing? Uh, And I don't think that these types of conversations really happen now comparison in Germany. Uh, I think that we're far more mm, in Germany, far more transactional. Uh, we tend to want to, yeah, you know, be factual, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but it's, but it sometimes hinders the conversation of really understanding who's the other person that's uh, sitting opposite me. Uh, so I, I, uh, that's definitely a difference in the UK. Uh, I think that, you know, humor plays a big role or the language uh, is applied to humor far more often, uh, which gives it a different kind of setting and feel when you're working together. And it's a, uh, uh, from a, uh, yeah, it's sort of leadership characteristic. I think that um, uh, in England, people like to, like to make more of a, joke out of themselves uh, and so it takes away this uh, feeling of oh the leaders you know has got everything and knows everything um at least those that i experienced uh, made it far more easier to relate uh, to the individual because humor was playing a, a larger role and again in comparison to germany i think there's you know it's sometimes a little less humor in uh, if not a, if there is at all humor uh in in a business and leadership context so yeah, no, there are definitely, definitely different traits, and I think each one. You know, I, if I look at it, I, you know, again, I love this, this genuine willingness to understand who's the other person from the U.S. or how I experience it in the U.S. In England, the humor, humor, sort of playing a role, and the need to lighten things up and not to take oneself so seriously as a leader. And then in Germany, to be very factual, to be very wanting to understand what it's all about. Um, so I think everything ha- each has a has its has its benefits. Uh, it would be nice to sort of integrate them all together and have that perfect leader. <laughs> yeah. I also kind of you kind of a little bit touched about this, but now especially with SolWorks, what are the 
I'd say the top few traits that you're trying to instill into um, organizations about how they should maybe change or adapt their leadership mm. for the main areas you see that still might need some adjusting and helping. Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely the the, the key thing for for me and therefore also for SolWorks is uh, if you are leading something or a company, uh, then. Uh, please uh, be clear as to what your purpose is in running this company. And uh, that has various tentacles. So first of all, it's really to what, understand, first of all, what is the purpose of your company? What is it really trying to achieve? And it cannot be uh, that it's about money, obviously. That's a result, um, but it's not that it's reason for existing. So that's um, important to, for me to uh, work with leaders to, first of all, establish an answer for that question. Um, but equally, um, it's important for the individual to understand what is his or her purpose in being in this role and, and what does this person really want to achieve um, uh, through this role or what does it want to bring to expression through this role is a better way of saying it. Um, so that's uh, one first thing, purpose per se. But then also to be self-reflective and to really understand, uh, you know, what is it that I, as a leader, am bringing to the table? What is it that I uh, do well? Where is it that I, you know, need the support of others? Uh, how do I communicate myself? How do I stand there? How do I talk? How do I uh, use my hands? Whatever it is um, to, you know, am I conscious of that? Am I aware of that? Um, and then moving into language itself, what language am I using? How am I actually then communicating um, with people? Uh, how, yeah, uh, how am I coming across? Um, and then the last area is really to think about how am I bringing things to action? Uh, because uh, too often we, you know, we like to as leaders uh, know where we're going, meaning the purpose, the orientation, uh, we know how we can bring ourselves across and communicate ourselves, but then actually getting people to follow and to really take action on where you want to go is often where it starts to like not really work anymore. And, um, and that's, you know, very important for me, for SolWorks to ensure that that happens because Coming back to our purpose to help companies really reinvent themselves to remain relevant, they need that traction um, or the the action of others uh, to actually make that happen. Yeah, that's really good points. And a little bit for like some some actions uh, listeners can take. Is there like a resource, a tool, or a book, or something that you would give women as a tip if they're saying I care about my leadership or I want to become a leader or just became a leader mm. that they can leverage to help them along mm. well there is yeah there's one book that I um that I really enjoy uh it's called synchronicity and I can't think now suddenly of uh, who wrote it um but it's uh, it's maybe not necessarily for female leaders. Uh, I think it's for, for you know anyone who wants to um, be or is a leader. Um, but it's uh, but because you know I think it's worthwhile saying it here because it's very what's the word? It's very 
intangible how it's written like it's it's not like these are the methods and the tools that you should as a leader be following um it's more about understanding how things come together and hence the word synchronicity why uh, to be more aware of things and to see that there are connections between why things are happening the way they're happening and and your role in that um, so it's more about being becoming more mindful or becoming more aware of yourself in a role as a leader um, and seeing the synchronicity and things that are happening. That's okay. I'll definitely put that with the author in the notes. Yeah, so when you find it, it, you'll find it. So synchronicity <laughs> and leadership and then it will, it will sure. show up. Kind of to wrap up, what is there um, maybe a parting piece of advice you would like to share? Uh, what you think is maybe one tip or one thing to not worry about or something just to be philosophical? Mm. Yeah. For, for me, it's uh, my tip would be to always stay true to yourself and it's so easy to say that you know of course i'm staying true to myself but we if we're really aware of am i staying true to myself uh we'll probably come to realizing that actually no i'm doing something for someone else or i'm doing something because that's the way we do it in the system that i'm in at the moment so uh my my it's not even just a tip it's really my urge um <laughs> to uh to carry across sort of Try and be, well, not only try, be and remain who you are. Um, stay true to yourself. Don't allow anyone or anything to negate you from doing something or to block you from doing something. Um, yes, and stay true to yourself and stay on your path. And probably connected, though, to that is and sort of find your own intention or your own purpose. Um, I uh, do a lot of yoga. I love to practice yoga. And I think that uh, whoever listening now does do yoga, uh, sometimes, if not many teachers say, you've come to the yoga class with an intention, it may not be quite conscious for you, but you, you know, come here with an intention and then link, forget the intention and just then go do, you know, see what happens. And I think the same goes for um for what I'm trying to say here is make sure you have an intention, know where you want to take yourself and then stay true to yourself on that path to whatever that is. And it won't all happen as you foresee, but it will, at some point you will get to um, that intention or the things will fall into place because you're staying true to yourself. I think that is still very, very valid advice. And it's always, I think it's one of my favorites saying it's simple, but not easy. Yeah. In the sense, it's, it's not a hard concept to grasp often, or even yeah. when you're making decisions, they're actually not that hard, what you want to do, yeah. but actually doing them is actually the challenging part. Yeah. So very thank true. you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Chat. Appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> Now that was a powerful dose of leadership inspiration. I hope today's actionable advice will help you skyrocket your own growth. For more on today's guest and a link to everything that was mentioned in this episode, have a look at the description. Also, important reminder, empower women, empower women. Share the podcast or tell a friend about it to spread the word and help more women unleash the baddest boss within them. Thanks for listening.